0: Welcome to the Jazz Notes podcast. I'm your host Ben Anderson. You can find me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops. Read me at KSLSports.com, and of course, you can find all of my content at KSL Sports on Twitter as well. Uh, make sure you download the KSL Sports app. The easiest way to get all of our content, including these podcasts, but everything you want to know about BYU, Utah, the entire NBA, the NFL, golf, RSL, whatever you're looking for, we've got it at the KSL Sports app. Uh, I appreciate everyone sending in their mailbag questions. This is just a mailbag episode today, but I think it's appropriate with three weeks left in the season, 13 games. It should be really fun. Uh, And I got some really good questions today, so I appreciate everyone who submitted those. Let's take a quick look at these and get started. First, uh, Gilad Perry on Twitter. What will the D. Wade impact be on the Jazz Free Agency and on the culture of the team in general? So Dwayne Wade last week bought a minority share of the Jazz... Uh, along with Ryan Smith. He was at that game where Donovan Mitchell got hurt against the Indiana Pacers. Uh, I I think he helps. I think it's interesting how he helps. I don't think he's going to be recruiting. In fact, he's not supposed to be recruiting right now for the Jazz as long as he continues his role on Inside the NBA. And remember, D. Wade took over. They used to do the horrible players-only broadcast on Tuesdays. They don't do that anymore. They brought in Candace Parker, and they brought in Dwayne Wade, and they host with Shaq, and they're just significantly better. Uh, than what the players only was. So I, I would imagine they like that. I know he signed a multi-year deal. I think that was in 2019, if I'm correct. Maybe that ends this season and he didn't have another job and he thought, okay, this will be a good part uh, or a good opportunity to me, for me to start getting into more front office stuff. I don't know. But as long as he's working for TNT, he can't be a part of jazz recruiting meetings because it's tampering because he's a part of the media as well the same way Shaq is on TV on TNT and owns a part of the Sacramento Kings and Grant Hill is a color analyst on TNT and owns a minority share in the Atlanta Hawks so in that sense I don't think he's going to be doing any real sitting down at the table you know rolling out his championship rings which is something that Dennis Lindsay can't do and Justin Zanuck can't do and Quinn Snyder can't do Uh, I, but I, so I don't think we're going to see that from, uh, from Dwayne Wade. With that said, he knows a bunch of people he's played in the NBA against a bunch of players that are still in the league. Some of them are now veterans that probably looked up to Dwayne when they first got into the NBA or when they were in college or high school, when he was in his prime in the late two thousands, when he was with the Heatles with LeBron. So I actually do think in that sense, his relationships, his, you know, uh, the way he's probably viewed by a lot of these players in the NBA as a guy that they looked up to is going to be important for the Jazz and can certainly help with some of those things. It's just as far as putting the Jazz as an option on the table where maybe they weren't before. As opposed to Shaq, who, you know, his prime ended in, what, 2007 when he won his last championship in Miami, uh, coincidentally Dwayne Wade's first a lot of these guys, I mean, you look at some of these kids that are coming into the NBA right now, they're born in 2000. They were born in 2001. Well, remember how you watched basketball when you were five or six or seven or eight or nine? You didn't care about how a person played. Like You knew Shaq was good, but or you knew who the good players were when you were you know in second and third grade, but you didn't really pay attention that much to the league. So that's how some of these kids probably are with Shaq, and certainly even more so with, with Grant Hill, who his prime was way gone by that point. He was just kind of the shell former great who had been injured his whole career uh, by the time a lot of these guys have seen him. That's certainly not the case with Dwayne Wade, who was playing a couple of years ago and was still really good and, you know, was making all-star teams and, and, you know, helping Miami get to the playoffs. So I think that kind of aspect helps. He's also just a good step in progress for the Jazz, who have been for a long time, I think they defaulted to nostalgia, which was always, hey, can we go back to Carl and John and the finals years? And you just don't need to always do that. That's 20 years ago now. And again, these kids coming into the NBA have no concept of who those players were other than that they were legends, but not necessarily you know, why they were good or what made them good or have any emotional ties to that. The same way Kevin Durant and LeBron James said in the All-Star Draft, hey, we didn't grow up playing with Carl and John are the jazz. That's real when you come to video games. So these kids who have grown up playing 2K have played with Dwayne Wade. So honestly, that gives them a weird little attachment and, and you know, understanding of who the jazz are and a reason to, to to think about the jazz this way. So I think getting away from the nostalgia that fans in the state have can probably end up helping long term just as far as the progress of the image. And, you know, Dwayne Wade's cool. He's one of the coolest players that's been in the NBA post Michael Jordan, along with LeBron, along with Kobe. There's just not many guys that are in his same class. Uh, And the Jazz have never had a player like that, certainly since Karl Malone, and people didn't think Karl Malone was cool. So I think Dwayne Wade helps culturally in that sense. But, you know, Donovan Mitchell was cool. A lot of players think Quinn Snyder's cool because he wins a lot. That's the most important thing the Jazz do right now is they win a lot. I think that's going to help them significantly when it comes to recruiting. Uh, Joe Johnson was cool, and, and players knew him, and he came and signed with the Jazz, and I think that might have been the first straw of the Jazz being a, a potential destination for, for veterans and, and free agents that might want to come in and, and chase some success with an opportunity. Speaking of opportunity, that's going to be the biggest draw for the Jazz, winning an opportunity. They're going to keep winning because they have Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. We'll see what they do with Mike Conley this offseason. I don't know what the opportunity looks like. They're not going to have a bunch of money. It's all wrapped up with Gobert. And Donovan and Boyan Bogdanovich and Joe Ingles, and then may and Royce O'Neill. And then maybe if they sign Mike Conley this offseason, which I think they'd like to do, you're just not gonna have much cash. You're gonna be stuck to, you know, your salary exceptions and minimum deals. Uh, and maybe you can get some veterans to come in and maybe those are exactly the types of guys that Dwayne Wade can recruit because they're older guys who want to win a championship and played with Dwayne and see an opportunity here. He can maybe sell them on Utah. Otherwise, I'm not really sure what opportunity or money the Jazz are going to be able to present uh, to some of these other veterans. Do the Jazz have to prove they can make it uh, to the second round or out of the second round for people to believe they're championship contenders? This comes from Matt Lyon on Twitter. I mean, yeah, you, you guys- you got to get to the finals to be considered a contender. I'm not sure anyone's really going to believe in the Jazz until they get to the postseason, and maybe they, you know, you got to sweep a first-round series. you got to beat the Memphis Grizzlies 4-0, or you got to beat the Warriors 4-1, or you got to beat the Blazers or Mavericks or Spurs, any of these teams that they could potentially play in the play-in tournament, which I'll talk coming up here in just a moment. You've got to show that you can dominate one of those teams, and then you have to be good in the second round or win a second round really to be considered a contender, you got to make it to the conference finals. Uh, And the Jazz just haven't done that in a really long time. They haven't done that since what, 2007, 2009, something when Donovan Mitchell and and Carlos Boozer and Mehmet O'Kerr, I should say Darren Williams, excuse me, uh, Carlos Boozer and Mehmet O'Kerr were all doing it. So uh, you've got to get back to doing that. That's that's difficult. It's been 15 years, really 14 years since the Jazz have done that. So yeah, Matt, I think it's a big deal that the Jazz get back to those points. Uh, Speaking of the play-in tournament, how does that impact the jazz and what they want to do for the rest of the year? This question uh, comes in from Adrian on Twitter. It certainly makes it gives you less incentive to try and tank to get to the two seed or one seed, but I guess also in the same sense the opposite side of that coin it gives you less incentive to try and earn the one seed because you just don't know who you're gonna be playing. It could be one of four or right now at this point probably five teams. I don't think the Lakers now that Anthony Davis is back have a chance to fall to seven, but the teams that are really competing for those. Seven, eight, nine, ten spots uh, in the NBA or in the Western Conference are the Blazers right now, who sit in six, the Mavericks at seven. Uh, right now, eighth seed is the Memphis Grizzlies, ninth seed is the San Antonio Spurs, and the tenth seed is the Warriors. So, what you're going to have is the seventh seed and the eighth seed competing with one another to see who wins the seventh seed. That's going to be game one of this three game playing tournament. Game two has the ninth seed and the tenth seed playing against one another. And the winner gets to play the loser of game one uh, that, that was kind of hoping to get the eighth seed. And then the winner of that game does get the eighth seed. Most people expect right now that Dallas is going to pass Portland for the final guaranteed playoff spot, which is number six in the West. I think that's a good sign for the Jazz. I don't think you want to mess with Luka in the first round. I don't think you want to have any opportunity of facing him. He's just too dangerous. And I know you're still talking about Steph and how good he is. I know you're talking about uh, how good Damian Lillard is. Every single one of these teams has killers on it and has, you know, legit MVP candidates this year. Dame is that guy. Luca is that guy. Steph is that guy. But I don't think you want to necessarily play a team like Dallas the way we saw what they did to the Clippers last year. They're just, Luca's too clutch. He's too good. His ability to take over games is too strong. And I think you want to avoid the Warriors as well. I just think you're going to be picking your poison one way or the other. So ideally for the Jazz, you know, I think they want to get the top seed still. I don't think you start messing around and and trying to figure out who you're going to play in the second round. You know, maybe the Lakers don't beat Denver and then you get to face Denver without Jamal Murray. You know, maybe that's a better matchup than uh, obviously trying to play the Suns or play the Clippers in the second round. It's hard to dictate that. Uh, Ideally, I think the Jazz would love to play the Memphis Grizzlies in the first round. I think that would be the ideal 1-8 matchup. And then you'd probably rather play the Spurs or probably either of those teams in all honesty. And then, you know, Worst case scenario, you have to play either the the Warriors or the uh, the the Blazers or the Mavericks. I, I think the Jazz would probably still be very heavy favorites to beat any of those teams. All of those guys are great; uh, they're going to be hard to beat. They're going to, the, you know, it's going to be hard to sweep the Warriors or the Blazers or the Mavericks. But I still think the Jazz would be overwhelming favorites uh, in those series. It's going to be tough. The West is just brutal. It's it's incredible. The run, whoever makes it out of the West, is going to have just an incredible run of success. And then they have to face either James Harden and Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant or Giannis Antetokounmpo or Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. It's just the NBA's got so much talent. You honestly probably need to add a couple of teams to <laughs> dilute some of the talent uh, if you don't want these super teams to continue to take over. I think, uh, I, I think that's one of the issues we're seeing in the league. It's just really hard to advance in the playoffs. And, and that's good for the fans. It's fun, uh, but it's hard if you're trying to root for one specific team to just break through and, uh, and make it to the finals. Next question comes from Mr. Monsta on Twitter. Where's your confidence in the Jazz supporting cast? Specifically, he mentions Joe Ingles, Jordan Clarkson, and Boyan Bogdanovich. So I pulled up the numbers on these guys. Uh, Jordan Clarkson last year in the playoffs against Denver was basically the exact same player he is right now for the Jazz. 16.7 points per game, 46% from the floor, 35% from the three-point line, played almost 29 minutes per game, which is up about four minutes from what he does in the regular season. Uh, but you'll take that. That's great. Now, he was the Jazz were two and zero when he scored twenty points or mo, or, or more. They were one and four when he failed to reach that mark. So his higher scoring games is, are good, but he also is not going to get as many shots because Boyan Bogdanovich is going to be in this playoff series and he wasn't last year. So I'm not going to say that's a bellwether for the Jazz on whether or not they're going to be good. Is Clarkson getting over twenty points? But that was what happened last uh, last year. So I wouldn't be worried about Clarkson at all. He's just he's good against everybody. I don't expect him to have just some crazy downstretch. In fact, I think he had his downstretch. He got four days off or four games off to rest his heel, get his hand back working again, and uh, he's been really good since. George Niang's also been really good. Uh, you know, this is kind of the funny thing about George Niang. We remember kind of famously Michael Malone last year, the Nuggets coach, was caught on film or caught on on, on recording saying, hey, put George Niang in as many defensive sets as we can because you just want to attack him, which is understandable. That's always been his question, but... You know, George Yang's a shooter. He's there to space the floor. And in 12 playoff appearances for the Jazz, he averages almost seven points a game, shoots 47% from the floor and 38% from three. He does his job. He's not the reason you're going to lose a playoff series. So I think that's fine. And also, like I mentioned, now that you have Boyan Bogdanovich back, he's going to play 10 to 15 minutes instead of 15 to 18 minutes. Uh, And that's probably good for the Jazz because Boyan's a better player. Uh, So I think George isn't a question. I wouldn't be worried about him. Joe Ingles is weird because his last two playoff series have been brutal. He's averaging eight points, under five assists, four rebounds. And most concerningly, he's just shooting 37% from the floor and 32% from three. Uh, Those are huge drops. You know, he's one of the best shooters in the NBA. This year, he does lead the league in three-point shooting at almost 50%. He needs to play well if the Jazz want to advance, you know, not just past the first round, but into the second round, into the third round. They're going to need him to have some huge games because he's going to play 25 minutes you know the Jazz are going to rely on him to, to get a bunch of minutes to, to be out there playing important moments in the postseason and ideally they're healthy ideally they don't you know need him to to take over for Mike Conley but uh, he's going to have some huge moments that, that he has to step up and the Jazz are going to try and keep him on the floor I think as much as possible because he's been so good this season he cannot play like he has over the last two years if the Jazz want to have success uh, next question 45 for MVP on Twitter what's the latest on Yudoka as a bookie Uh, I wrote the article yesterday. You saw him getting a vaccine. Uh, He's the first jazz player I've seen publicly get it. Uh, And I think that's kind of a big deal because the jazz were the first team to get COVID-19 in the NBA last year. So having one player kind of post it for the first time, I think is a good sign for the jazz though. Quinn Snyder did kind of talk about how the team was enjoying some of the benefits of looser restrictions. And we know those looser restrictions come from getting the vaccine. So I wouldn't be surprised if more jazz players have gotten it. I just can't confirm it. Um, he didn't have a photo on, or I should say he didn't have a brace on in that photo. Uh, he's got another one where it looks like he maybe he's out at the Great Salt Lake. I couldn't tell exactly where he was, but he's walking around and he doesn't have an ankle brace on, so that's a really good sign. Uh, it was just a sprain. It wasn't a break or anything. He didn't have surgery, so that's a good sign for Yudoka Azabuki's ankle, but... Um, I would expect, is the question here, is, you know, can he work on the offseason on his game? I would expect he would be able to. He was at the Jazz practice facility yesterday after he got his shot. So clearly he's kind of back around the team. He's on the sidelines during games now. That wasn't the case right after the injury. So clearly he's progressing. Yes, I would think he would be able to work on his game in the offseason. What did the Jazz do with Juwan Morgan, who's a free agent this offseason? What did the Jazz do with Ersan Ilyasova, who's a. Free agent this off season, who had really good moments. Both of those players actually have had really good moments for the Jazz at times. I think those are probably m- important questions that could help decide a little bit what the Jazz do with Azabuki. But they gave, they used a first round pick on him, and if Favors continues to age, he's had some good moments lately. I think he's looked a lot better. Uh, but if you know Favors gets older and loses athleticism, and Azabuki's you know getting better and improving as he's in the NBA. You know, the Jazz would love to be able to use him because he's a big-time defensive player. He's a shot blocker. He's a lob catcher. He's a huge body. He could give you more of what Rudy Gobert brings. And Favors has certainly taken a step back. So the Jazz need Azabuki, A, because he's a first-round pick, to improve. And B, you know as Derek Favors decreases in value and play, uh, the Jazz could certainly use uh, uh, you know some, some good play from Azabuki coming in uh, when Favors and, and eventually drops off. And, and that that could happen you know, in the next 12 to 18 months. I think that's uh, certainly a possibility. So anyways, I appreciate all the questions today. I think that's all I have right now in the mailbag. Uh, If I didn't answer them uh, for you, you can always DM me and I'll try and get them for you next week when I record the next Jazz Notes podcast. Follow me on Twitter at Ben's Hoops, read me at kslsports.com, and again, download the KSL Sports app. We'll talk to you next week.